Every year I know we gonna go hard We been that team ever since Bart Starr All my cheese heads go pack go Ain't show with no mercy cutting no slack no I ain't a bad sport and I'll even wish you good luck Only thing I wish- Hey welcome to Lombardi's Legends Podcast Part of the Pigskin Podcast Network I am Wags Joining me as always is Dane Day after Christmas Hope you all got all the presents from Santa's sleigh Dane, we also got a gift from the Packers. They were able to play Grinch and steal a win from the Cleveland Browns to improve to 12 and 3, stay atop the NFC. How are you feeling today, man? Um, okay. Uh <laughs> it was a uh that was a harrowing experience there late in the game, that second half. I got a little bit uncomfortable, but um, you know, looking at the positives, Wags, uh, a win is a win. It's very difficult to win in this league. For the Packers to all of a sudden have 12 wins closing in on the end of the season is is fantastic. They took care of business. The Cardinals lost again, which is really, really great that they're kind of stumbling down the stretch. But um, Wags, I, and we're going to get into it. We'll talk offense. We'll talk defense. I'm starting to see some cracks in this team as well. Every team has some blemishes. So, uh, I, you know, but we're a Packer podcast, so we're going to talk about the good. We'll talk a little bit about the bad as well. And um, But overall, happier that they came out with a win than a loss. I'd prefer if we weren't winning these games determined by what comes down to two-point conversions going forward and we could, you know, close these games a little bit faster. But overall, Wags, Christmas Day, uh, got a win, got to see some family. So it was a really nice day. For sure. So for any of you that join and Dane, if you want to throw this in our chat too, for anyone joining, if you have any comments, questions, feedback, concerns, whatever you got uh, to takeaways from yesterday's game, feel free to pop those in the chat. Uh, We'll try to highlight as many of them as we can throughout the show today. Uh, And Dane, I completely agree with you. I think We've had so much positive to focus on the last couple of months. We've gotten awful spoiled. And so um, it's a little bit of a different feeling when we can sit here after a win where we get one step closer to a one seed and just not have the greatest feeling. I think uh, I speak for you and I and probably a lot of other Packer fans out there that yesterday just didn't have the best feel for a victory but you know what it's so hard to win in this league it really is yeah you look at the cardinals are exhibit a um lost again yesterday and they're three and five in the last eight games that's starting out seven and oh not only have they fallen completely out of the one seed picture in the nfc they're in a fight to even win their division and it looks like they're kind of falling out of the driver's seat for that as well so it's uh, uh, not something that you can take for granted. And uh, so let's just start, as you said, with the positives. And for me, the storyline uh, of the positives is Aaron Rodgers, uh, Devontae Adams, uh, what they were able to accomplish from a historical perspective within the confines of a victory uh, makes that uh, definitely a very positive thing to be able to talk about. So um, obviously, Uh, We all know uh, what Aaron was able to accomplish. We knew it was going to happen. And uh, just a really cool scoring play. I'm glad it happened early. I'm glad it wasn't forced to Devontae Adams, even though that would have been really neat if it would have happened with Devontae. Uh, But congratulations to Alan Lazard for uh, making the historic 
touchdown reception, uh, 443 for Aaron Rodgers. And uh, Dane, we, we said it before the game, um, so I, and I, I shared my thoughts on it. So I want to give you the floor uh, on what you felt and, and what, that, what do you think that means in the context of Aaron's career and, and within uh, Packer history as well? Wags, that was pretty cool. Um, what Rogers said after the game, too, saying that the the touchdown happened on such a um, simple play. Uh, one of those that he said that when he first came into the league, it was kind of one of the the basics uh, of the West Coast offense, and and for him to throw it on that, I think that Rogers has always had a, a big perspective on football and um, his place in the game and his place in Packer history, uh, even through the turmoil of last, you know, this last offseason, I think he's always kind of had in mind his place in all of this. At times, I'm not sure if we thought he would break Favre's record as a Packers quarterback. So for that to happen at Lambeau on Christmas Day with a really good football team uh, around him, a full you know, full fans, full stands at Lambeau Field, national audience. Um, it was pretty damn cool. I, I don't know how else to put it. Uh, pretty exciting for, for Aaron. He's putting together what could eventually become his fourth MVP season, which uh, is just absolutely remarkable. Um, it's hard to break records of Brett Favre's if you're a Green Bay Packer. It's hard to beat Brett Favre records if you're anybody. Um, so for Aaron to be able to do that um, and for Brett and Aaron's relationship to have warmed over the years and for them now to hold each other in, a, 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 you know, in terms of friendship, they, they, they consider themselves friends. I, I think all of it combined was a pretty emotional moment. I was really glad Alan Lazard got the ball back to Aaron. <laughs> that was good that the ball didn't go into the stands. Um, you know, Aaron, I think at times, um, can come off as, um, you know, measured. Uh, but he's also somebody who completely understands the history of the game and, and what it means. So that touchdown pass was fantastic. It helped get the Packers that win that they very, very much needed. And it's just special because I don't think we ever see a guy throw that many touchdowns in green and gold again. It's just incredible what he did. I'm really excited for Aaron Rodgers. Now, what I'd really like is this year, and beyond for Aaron to just distance himself and become the touchdown thrower of all time for the Packers by a very, very wide margin. Uh, Really, really happy to see Aaron still in Green Bay doing what he does best. Yes, absolutely, because uh, he's still got guys to catch, and he's not ahead of Favre for Favre's all-time touchdown, or not his all-time touchdown record, but the number of touchdowns far throughout for his career, he still has a ways to go to catch uh, some of those guys. I, th- I think he will. And if it happens in green and gold, that would be all the sweeter for sure. And so, Dane, another positive kind of sticking with that, um, and I think we can get through a few of them here, is Devontae Adams. And uh, after a week where – the Ravens, we saw double and triple teamed. Devontae, the Browns, I think, have a pretty solid secondary, as we talked about coming into this. Uh, and they didn't go with that strategy, which I didn't think they would. Um, Denzel Ward, really, really solid corner. I thought that was a, a good matchup. But Devontae won that battle most of the day, comes up with 10 receptions, 114 yards, two touchdowns. And so now Devontae 
is the top touchdown receiver as in terms of a duo between uh, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams as he passed Jordy Nelson. Uh, so congrats to Devontae, too. So that's a, a really neat thing. It just speaks to the chemistry and the years that those two have been together because uh, I know some of you younger Packer fans, it's crazy to think about, but it's been a few years since Jordy uh, was with the Packers now. Uh, so folks might be starting to forget a little bit. I know most don't, but there, Jordy Nelson and Aaron Rodgers, when Jordy when it was in his prime before he had uh, that ACL injury, was a special, special duo. Um, what they were doing on the field uh, was was pretty close to unmatched. And here we are, Devontae Adams. We talk a lot about the greatness of Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, and maybe to certainly a lesser extent uh, in the wide receiver room. We're seeing something very similar when you talk about um, the great receiver combinations that we've had between quarterback and receiver. And it goes back beyond uh, certainly Jordy Nelson. We can go back to Greg Jennings. We can go back, uh, you know, with Brett Favre and, and Donald Driver. But uh, what Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are doing together is just so special. And congrats to Devontae. I know he had a couple of drops in the fourth quarter that he certainly was very disappointed and like to have back, could have iced the win. Thankfully, the defense was able to, you know, step up and and, and get his back because um, I, I know Devonte takes great pride in that. But uh, overall, just a great game, and and want to congratulate him for that accomplishment as well. Yeah, um, Wags. I'm old enough to remember when the Packers drafted Devonte Adams. I'm also old enough to remember how difficult his second season was in the league. He he had a lot of drops. Uh, the route running wasn't there. Um, I hope a lot of young people that are watching, you know, or, or watch the Packers, I, I hope that they have an opportunity to maybe like understand what it means to be a pro, you know, what it means to just get better at your craft. And Devontae Adams is a prime example of that. He's somebody, doesn't matter what sport somebody plays or what they do in life. You watch what Devontae Adams has done and he's just worked at it. He kind of shut out the outside noise. Um, there was a very legitimate conversation that was had going into his third season. The Packers wide receiver room was pretty stacked going into that third year, if I recall. And people were legitimately wondering, if Devontae Adams doesn't make the team. that That's where he was at in his career after two years in Green Bay. I don't know how real that was. I remember us talking, this was prior to our podcast, and saying, like, no way they're cutting Devontae Adams. He's too raw, uh, or he has too much, like, raw talent to do that. However, Devontae, over the course of the next five, six, seven years here, has just gotten better and better. And now um, – I think the saying that's going around this year about Devontae Adams is he's a top two wide receiver and he's not second. I think that's how a lot of people are describing Devontae Adams. Um, he showed it again yesterday. Uh, yeah, he had a couple later in the game, you know, issues with that ball, but he's also a huge reason they got to that point to begin with uh, and we're winning that football game. Um, what I like to say, Wags, is better those drops then than come playoff time. I have all the confidence in the world in who Devontae Adams is as a guy, also as a player. He's a pleasure to watch. And he and Aaron Rodgers are absolute fire together. And we'll talk offseason way down the road, hopefully March. We're talking offseason. But if the Packers can somehow find a way to keep uh, 12 and 17 in Green Bay together, all the merrier. But let's just enjoy the moment right now. Devontae Adams, congratulations. 
well-earned, fantastic wide receiver. Yeah, and I think it's something for all of us, you and I and all Packer fans, to remember when we look at some of these younger wide receivers that are in the organization. And Devontae's leading the way now. But before him, it was some of those guys I mentioned. And and so MVS is a perfect example this season. He's clearly taken a step in his development and how he's performing out on the field. Is he in that upper echelon level yet? Absolutely not. But he's still a young player. And I think we forget sometimes that when we see these guys make some big plays and then they make some plays they'd like to have back that – that development curve happens overnight. It just doesn't. It takes time. And so um, we've got to be patient. Uh, Amari Rogers, we're seeing it in his first season, is on a steep development curve. But he's got Devontae Adams. He's got Randall Cobb now uh, back in the locker room. As guys say, they can look at and that lead the way. So I think that's a, a really important thing to keep in mind overall. But um, I, I am almost speechless when I think of uh, all of the things that they do. You know, there were some other catches yesterday, some back shoulder throws. Um, Rogers just dropping them in on the bread basket, to both Devontae and Alan Lazard. Uh, so some some pretty cool stuff. Unfortunately, not a lot of them happened in the second half. So we'll talk a little bit about that when we get to the bad. But I uh, want to uh, stick with the good Rasul Douglas looking over at the defense uh, in the defense overall. Um, four interceptions, force five sacks, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Rasul Douglas coming up with two interceptions, and then, of course, Shannon Sullivan and Darnell Savage with interceptions of their own. So uh, the defense was kind of a mixed bag. But when you look at the positive side, if you're able to force four interceptions and you sack the quarterback five times, I don't care, and you only hold the team to 22 points. I, I, you can do better. I, I get that. But to me, Dane, uh, when you look at that from the outside in, uh, you would probably say, oh, how much did the Packers win by, like 41 to 22? Yes. Uh, so uh, in terms of the impact that the defense had on the game, I think starting with that, we really have to just uh, give kudos to what they did out there. Um, I think in some ways – some of the soft coverage that we saw from the Packers was trying to bait the Browns into throwing because I don't think they wanted the Browns to control the ground game and run the ball. Uh, they really wanted Baker to be the one to go out there and try to beat them. And fortunately, in the first half, it seemed like the Browns took that bait and the Packers were able to take advantage of that. So um, Azul Douglas now up to five interceptions for the year. So just specifically highlighting him because he made the game-clinching yeah. interception in the fourth quarter. Uh, another big moment for this young man. And uh, I just uh, – you're running out of superlatives almost to uh, give this uh, guy credit because he's had such a, a positive impact on the Packers both on and off the field. And uh, so I, I just want to just – give him a ton of credit and, and the defense as a whole. Uh, well, again, we'll talk about some of the bad that was going on, but um, in terms of the positives, I, I'd like to start there as well. Special group of guys um, to bounce back and do some of the stuff that they've been able to do eggs. Um, it, it's, I've been so impressed by the defensive backs 
the corners this year. Uh, Rizul Douglas obviously goes without, um, without, you know, everybody knows how good he's been, but Shandon Sullivan, I think has played phenomenal football in the slot this year. He's a guy that we've been able to, we've had a pleasure to watch just grow every single year. He's gotten better every single year. He's earned snaps. And now he's just a regular on that defense. He does everything for the team, right? He'll return punts. Now he'll, he'll get on kick cover. Talk about Rizul Douglas. He was on kick cover yesterday. We watched him on kick cover in addition to getting a couple picks. Um, and those guys kind of came up around the same time, which is really fun. And they played together in Philly before now landing in Green Bay and having a lot of success. Eric Stokes, Wags. How good has he been? I mean, he's been very, very good for this team. He almost had that interception yesterday too. Uh, Baker was really uh, in the giving mood. And I thought that Stokes played good football. Um, let's talk about Darnell Savage, a guy who last week had a really rough go and I thought settled into the game nicely yesterday as the game progressed uh, through the past game and also had that nice interception on kind of what I would consider a Baker Mayfield almost punt <laughs> by throwing the ball up for, for, uh, for Savage that way. But what's fun about these, this, this uh, defensive backfield in the, in the past game is watching these guys all grow and mesh and develop and at a different level, we've got to give some props to Rashawn Gary. Um, up to eight and a half sacks on the year, named as a Pro Bowl alternate. Talk about Devontae Adams at the top and about people being out on him early in his career. What about Rashawn Gary? The amount of Packer fans that were like, this guy sucks. Cut him. What, what is he even doing here? Why, you know, blah, 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 blah. All Rashawn Gary has done, Wags, is go out and he's one of the hardest workers on the team. We see it every day. He's, he's hungry to be great. Uh, he's had great mentorship, I think, from both Zadarius and Preston Smith on how to lead, how to work, how to be a professional, do all of those things. And Rashawn Gary, we said it before in our preview podcast, the last few weeks he's been sniffing at some of these quarterbacks that are a little bit more agile that could kind of get away. Um, yesterday, he finally got to Baker Mayfield ton of pressures yet again, just disruptive. He's been the best pass rusher, pure pass rusher on this Packers defense this season. So we got to give Rashawn Gary a ton of love. We're not where we are without getting to the quarterback, the way that Rashawn's been able to do, weighing the way to force the quarterback to get rid of the ball and then allow some of our guys on the back end to make a play on the football. So Rashawn Gary continues to develop. The sky is still the limit with Rashawn Gary, even right now. And I expect for Rashawn Gary to come up with some very big moments come playoff time. And it's one of those things that although sacks can come and go from game to game, Rashawn has been very consistent in getting pressures on the quarterback all year. And I don't know if that necessarily, that doesn't necessarily show up in the box score. Uh, maybe fans that aren't paying really close attention uh, don't appreciate what he's been able to do because he's, I think, gotten better against the run as well this year. Uh, and that's been an area of his game that's continued to develop as well. Uh, yesterday, notwithstanding for the whole Packer defense, I'm certainly not going to single out uh, Rajon Gary on anything that he did. Just a high motor guy and uh, brings it every down. Uh, so yeah. you've got to have a ton of appreciation for the work that he's put in. Um, and it's, it's showing out there. So uh, definitely a positive for those guys as well. Uh, I think last positive, even though it wasn't necessarily 
positive and in an impact way was special teams actually wasn't bad yesterday. <laughs> so Dane, let's, let's just uh, touch on that. For me, that's the last positive, uh, pretty good in coverage yesterday. Uh, no missed field goals, uh, not really any missed adventures in the punt game. Um, our return game seemed nothing amazing. There wasn't really a positive play, but we didn't have any gaffes. So uh, is that, is that a, a, enough of an expectation? Should we have a higher bar or will you just take what we got yesterday and be happy with it? Nine times out of 10. Wags, if you guaranteed me the output we just got yesterday from special teams through the playoffs, I would take you up on that offer. Uh, I have trust in this team uh, overall, the offensive defensive phases, special teams. We can't have miscues. If we can just play kind of that, that ho-hum special teams have, you know, adequate coverage and return the ball when possible. I will take that every day of the week, considering where we're coming from. I'm not looking for this special teams unit to turn it around and all of a sudden have Desmond Howard, you know, type returns and all of those types of things. I just don't see that in the cards this year, but if we can just be sound on special teams, I'll take it. I was really happy to see Henry black out there on some of his coverage. I thought he in particular was very, very good in coverage. Um, had that really nice tackle around the 15 yard line on a kick return from the Cleveland returner. Um, but across the board, pretty solid coverage. And uh, we're going to need to go back and look and see who all was out on some of those coverages. We mentioned Rizul Douglas was out there. I think I saw Shannon Sullivan out there. So we have primetime premier players on some of these coverage units, as LaFleur had mentioned, we might end up doing. Um, it didn't hurt to see like Dominic Daphne back because he gets him back out there, some of those types of guys as well. But I'll take that, Wags. I'll take that at this point, uh, because we just didn't see the miscues. Yeah, um, I think before we transition into the bad, and this is a pretty good segue question, let's getting a couple of questions and comments yeah. in the chat. So I'm going to start with uh, Dean Liverman here. He says, who do you see coming back off the injury list this season? And uh, the reason I thought this was a good time to highlight that is I, I think we're about done with our good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so this is sort of the good and bad in my eyes and not to be pessimistic on some of the injuries, but just reading through the lines. I think there are some things that are definitely concerning. The good news is um, Jair Alexander. I think he's going to be back this week. Mm -hmm. I really do. Um, I know that sometimes we're a little bit conservative with bringing guys, but he's had now this will be his third full week of practice. There's a reason they started the clock when they did uh, to be able to activate him off the IR. Uh, So by Wednesday, I believe we'll see Jair activated and added to the 53 man roster. Uh, In theory, that doesn't necessarily guarantee that he's playing this week because they could activate him and make him not active on Sunday. Like, Uh, like Bakhtiari, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. but I, I don't think with Jair, uh, there, they could have just waited a week or two to start him practicing and ramping up with his injury. It's not anything in the lower body. So I think that would be uh, something to be more concerned about rushing someone back. As long as everything in the shoulder is healed and sound, I, I believe that we're going to see him out there very, very soon. So um, I'm just going to go out there and predict that he is back this Sunday. Uh, it could be another week. 
maybe two if they're really being very, very safe. Uh, but I, I think Jair, they'd like to get him back out there for some regular season opportunities. So if the doctors give him the green light and he's been practicing, so if that tells me that he's in a position that he's probably healthy enough to be out there. Um, so I, I think that's, that's a positive de- development on the downside. David Bakhtiari, man, I don't know. Uh, he mm-hmm. has come back twice now and started practicing, and then we saw last week he didn't practice at all. They didn't say anything about another setback. but And, and granted, things could be completely different this week. Uh, so that's that was the sinking feeling I was getting. Um, watching this game and coming into it and having that news last week is – we have been expecting this whole season that David Bakhtiari was going to come back at some point, And now I'm not so sure. Um, he still could. They haven't ruled him out for the season, uh, but I don't know if we should be expecting that to happen at this point. Uh, it just is not, we're not seeing a normal ramp up uh, for someone like him to be coming back. Um, so that tells me that he's not probably as close as we'd like. Now, Maybe they take him out there and he starts practicing again this week after getting last week off. But even if that happens, I don't think he's playing this week. And he may not play in the last game either against the Lions if the Packers are fortunate enough to lock up the one seed by that point. So now we're we're really looking at a lot of question marks here with a guy like David uh, Bakhtiari. So before we highlight a couple of the other guys, Dane, I don't know if you have a different read on that or if you have anything to add as far as uh, David Bakhtiari's status. No, I mean, the Bakhtiari stuff's concerning. Anytime you start to get a guy back and then you see them pull him off practice, it just it's a bit of a concern, right? It seems like there's something going on there that we're not completely privy to. I don't want to completely guess because we don't, we're not in the doctor's room, but it just, you're right. This is not the routine way we would see a guy come back, especially a guy at his caliber and his level. You'd expect them to kind of work him back in, in a way that he really hasn't worked back up. I think the positive has been Yash Nyman in, in relief has been absolutely phenomenal at left tackle uh, for the Packers. Miles Garrett is having a defensive player of the year um, type year. And I don't think we barely heard his name yesterday. I think he was, he, he got one hit on the quarterback yesterday. No sacks. Yash Nyman's been playing. He's been balling. Now the downside is Yash got a little banged up yesterday. And then our pal Ben Braden had to come in and kind of pinch hit a left tackle. That would be our what fourth left tackle of the season. Um, so you know, obviously, all things considered, we'd like to have David back. Um, but Yash has been playing really good football. But, you know, we're thin across the board right now uh, at our offensive line position. Billy Turner's out as well. Myers is still out. But um, we're running out of time to see if David's going to be able to go. And at a certain point, Wags, and I'm curious your take, um, you know, how comfortable are you rolling out David Bakhtiari for the first time for him playing football in a year? Uh, you know, in a playoff game. That's a bit concerning for me because, you know, just to shake the rust off, especially when you've got a hot hand like Yash Nyman playing, do you maybe in that kind of scenario is David suited up, but not necessarily the guy who's playing? Can you even do that with your all pro left tackle? I mean, it becomes a bit of a problem. And that, I guess that's the concern because I agree with you on Jair. I think Jair's coming back this year, and that's going to be a huge bolster for our defensive backfield. 
But with David Bakhtiari, I'm not so sure. And I'm not so sure how you manage it, even if they think maybe he could go, but they're not totally sure. Yeah, it's an interesting question. And one, I guess we'll have to see how that plays out. We want David back. Yeah. I don't think there's a scenario where if he's healthy enough to go, that the Packers are going to hesitate to throw him out there in uh, in a game. If he, Even if it is in the playoff. That's not ideal, though. You're absolutely right. And this is why I get slightly annoyed with the perspective of, of folks that say, well, um, let's just play it safe. We've got our playoff position. Um, just save them for the playoffs. It doesn't work no. that way. It's not mad. You need them to be playing football. Um, yeah. The other thing is maybe I just have a little bit of an old school mentality where it's their job. They're getting paid millions of dollars. And if they're healthy enough to play, they should be playing. That's uh, not to be all like, uh, you know, don't be on the safe side. I get it to an extent, but their their job is to be out there and playing. And if, if the guy hasn't played football in over a year, I don't want to wait until the playoffs uh, for that. I don't think David wants to. No, David's ready to play, right, mentally. You know that. Like, come on. Yeah, so um, it's interesting, though, when we kind of look at some of these other guys, um, and this might be kind of a long discussion here, just kind of thinking big picture, uh, sticking with the offensive line, technically not on the injury list, but you mentioned him, Billy Turner. I think the fact that they didn't put him on IR uh, means that, I wouldn't be surprised if he's practicing this week. I, I don't know if he'll play, but they've been very cagey. I don't even think we've gotten any detail specifically on what that knee injury was. Uh, I would tend to think it was some type of sprain, perhaps some type of something similar to Aaron Jones with the MCL. Um, I, I, I don't know. Nobody's, nobody said anything. Somehow that information hasn't been confirmed. Uh, but uh, even if, Billy Turner doesn't play this week. I, I think the fact that now this will be three weeks since we would have had the option to IR him. Mm-hmm. I, I just suspect that they would have done that if they expected him to be gone longer. Um, so uh, whether he plays this week, we'll see, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's back in the next week or two. Um, uh, Josh Myers seems to be a little bit further off. I, I don't know that there's any, indication that he's going to be returning although he's been in the rehab group the last couple of weeks from what I've seen so uh, I think there's some indication that there's a possibility he comes back but he's a guy you're talking about do you put him back in there uh, first time in the playoffs the answer to that for me is just flat out no nothing against Josh Myers uh, but from what we've seen from Lucas Patrick and Josh Myers being a rookie, he just doesn't have that level of equity to me mm-hmm. that someone like a David Bakhtiari would have. Uh, so that has nothing against Josh Myers and what he was doing out there early in the season when he was the starter. Uh, but this is, I'm going with the vet. Lucas mm-hmm. Patrick, for mo- all intents and purposes, has been playing uh, darn good football. And I think our interior offensive line just keeps getting better and better every week um, with uh, uh, with Royce Newman and uh, with John Runyon Jr. Uh, lined up uh, on the side of Lucas Patrick. So um, I'm actually just comfortable rolling with those guys at this point, aren't you? Wags, I mean, that's the thing is like there, there's a there's something about an interior offensive line. Those guys, the longer you're in the trenches together playing, the more there's trust, there's a feel. Uh, it's not just a plug and play scenario. So to get those three guys right now, Lucas, 
Uh, Patrick has been playing just damn good football up the middle, even snapping the ball, all the kind of the, 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 the cadence, the rhythm with Aaron Rodgers. I think it's there right now. And you're right. This young interior is playing so well together that to shape that up at this point, Myers is the kind of guy that long-term projections through the roof. We're going to be talking about Myers, I think, for the next decade. He's one of those guys that you can tell he's going to start in this league for quite some time. But um, he's a guy who you suit up, and you're really happy now that he's going to be a depth piece come playoff time if somebody gets banged up. But I think you roll with the hot hand you have in the interior. David Bakhtiari, it's a little harder to do that. He's the best left tackle in football when he's healthy. Yeah, and then kind of getting to um, Zadarius, He's the one that I think all along we've been the most pessimistic yeah. about returning. But interestingly, because of the position he plays, I'm perfectly fine putting him out there mm-hmm. too because you can manage his reps and he's just part of the rotation on the outside. And, you know, maybe there's certain uh, situations, pass downs, whatever you want to do. Uh, if Sedarius mm-hmm. gets cleared at some point, I don't care if it's the NFC championship game or even heck uh, the Super Bowl. If we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, uh, Zadarius is a guy to me, you can activate and roll out there. Uh, and even if he just gives you 20, 30 reps, he can have an, uh, a positive impact uh, and, uh, and really be able to help this team. So uh, right, that will positionality too. And Zadarius is a guy that's fortunate enough because of the position he plays and some of the other guys that we have out there uh, that we, definitely could get a boost from, even if it's only in a, a smaller role. Yeah, Wag, sorry to, to interrupt there. I think you're spot on. Give me Zadarius Smith 15 to 20 snaps in the playoff time in some second and third and long scenarios. Perfect. Perfect. You know, with, with the pass rush that we have, we don't need, I, don't get me wrong, I'd love to get 50 snaps out of Big Z, but if we could get 15 pass rushing snaps out of Zadarius Smith in the playoffs with the guys we already have going the way that they're going, the addition right there could be the difference between going home early and going to the Super Bowl. And I sincerely mean that. He gets to the quarterback. He and 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 Razul Douglas, or excuse me, uh, Rashawn Gary, the way that they're playing right now, and Preston Smith at that level, that three-headed monster pass rush, almost unguardable in certain scenarios, I think. Yeah, for sure. So, um, Pearson, thanks for being patient with your question. I think this starts to transition into the, the bad and the ugly here. So I've been holding this one in the queue. Uh, so, Pearson, thanks for the question. He says, I'm not sure what was more stunning. The Browns refusing to adjust to double covering Devontae or Barry refusing to adjusting to stop the run. Dane, I was getting a lot of deja vu in this yeah. game. This was reminding me of the Mike Patton defense um more so from two years ago even than last year and not taking anything away from the browns but man uh, that was tough to watch what was frustrating is if we stop the run baker mayfield throws eight interceptions <laughs> that's the thing that's i guess the frustrating thing so pearson i feel you on that front looking at it from the packers perspective is just stopping the runs, throwing the kitchen sink at the run game. Um, I have all of the faith in the world that our DBs matching up against those Browns wide receivers, we could take care of business against them. So um, I was at a loss for words in the second half as they were just running the ball. And listen, Chubb is one of the better runners in the league. 
this offensive line for the Browns when healthy is one of the best offensive lines in the, in the league. You know, they're built to do what they did yesterday, but you don't want to see it happen against a team with Super Bowl aspirations. And I guess that that's, that's kind of the crux of the situation, especially with Kenny Clark back. Um, I thought that we were going to be able to win at the point of attack a little more, and they were just able to create lanes, um, very, very aggressive football running downhill. But I guess the frustrating factor here is it's not like Baker Mayfield was flowing uh, you know, through the air where we kind of had to defend against both. We knew we could stop them when they were throwing the football. It was running the football. We knew it was coming. We just couldn't stop it. And that's something that needs to be corrected because um, you know there's some teams coming up uh, in the playoffs that could just completely thrash us with the run game if we're not careful. And we haven't seen a lot of this this year either. So I guess the other concern here is this kind of issue creeping up this late in the year makes, you know, that starts to give me a little bit of pause for concern wags. I'm curious your take on this because I want us to be playing our best football coming up here in the next couple of weeks. I don't want to see regression. And in the run game here, I feel like we saw a little bit of regression on Saturday. Yeah. the We need to get back to playing more fundamentally sound football. Uh, the Browns averaged 8.8 yards per carry. If game flow is different, that's an NFC championship game against the 49ers type thrashing from, and, and I'm, it's, it's a big concern. And we saw this against the Ravens. We talked a little bit about it after that game, um, that our outside contain was just atrocious and it seems like it's regressing and it's becoming a problem. Um, our, and, and it doesn't start there. Our defensive line needs to play better. We got Kenny Clark back, and I thought he was a huge boost in being able to get pressure on Baker Mayfield, even if he didn't get a sack himself. He was the guy that kind of forced a couple of those. Uh, so give Kenny some credit there. Um, and most of their runs weren't coming up the middle. Uh, they were basically running um, um, off tackle or off end, and it seems like, the issue there, Dane, is teams are picking up clearly on our contain, first of all. Now, and then I'm concerned that we have a lack of athleticism and speed up front, and that's getting a little bit exposed. Dean Lowry played some of the, his best football of his career in the yeah. first month and a half of the season, and he made, he came up with a big exactly. sack yesterday. But in the run game, I, I don't think he's been particularly effective, and, and he hasn't been – I don't know if he's – you know, at full strength uh, at this time of year, I get it. The legs get a little tired, um, but, and he's had to have a ton of reps too. So I, I, I'm not trying to bang on the guy. Uh, he's just one of them. Tyler Lancaster has had to come in for, I think more snaps than would be ideal. Um, we've been seeing that the last couple of weeks. He just doesn't, Tyler Lancaster has a specific role, but if he's out there, on second and third down and getting the number of snaps that he's been called for. I think that's going to be a problem over the course of four quarters against teams that are able to not even run the ball at the level the Browns do. Uh, but if they're getting better quarterback play than what the Browns got from Baker Mayfield, that's a problem. Uh, so uh, I, I'm a little bit concerned about the, you know, the performance uh, of some of the guys and the, the, what we're asking for from some of the guys. So I don't know if we need to firm up some of our rotations a little bit. Um, and then you look at the edge, uh, Jonathan Garvin and Tipa Nalei. I know Tipa came in a few weeks ago, had a great first game. 
he is giving 120% effort every down, but I think he needs to learn to play within himself a little bit. And I'm sure the coaching staff's working with him on that. But um, those two guys were getting beat pretty badly. If you look closely, they're getting washed out of a lot of plays. And that's putting a lot of strain on our second level to be able to fill those gaps really quickly and covering more ground. So it's a concern. I think it starts there. Uh, the guys up front need to stay within their gaps. Um, hopefully, we need to get better play um, from uh, Kiki uh, as well. Uh, it just hasn't uh, been very consistent this season. So um, it, it's I don't know where you go from here for sure, but I, I think it starts with maybe focusing a little bit more on the run than than trying to get pressure on the quarterback. And there's downsides to that too. Uh, I, I understand, but um, uh, maybe this is a little bit of a wake-up call uh, for the Packers defense and for the Packers defensive coaching staff. Uh, because the one thing I will say is Coach Barry is not going to just brush this away and say, no. you know, we're focusing on stopping the pass. And Patton seemed to just not really care too much about stopping the run. I don't think we're going to see that. Now, can they fix this? That's going to be the bigger question. So, Dane, I don't know if you have any ideas for what else we can do because well, I don't want to have to get to the point where we're needing to bring <clears throat> um, safeties up into the box to try to stop the run. I don't think that's the answer. Personally, I think it starts in the trenches. Yeah, Legs, and I'll tell you what, um, with Kingsley Kiki out yesterday, I was surprised by the snap counts. Um, shout out to Cheesehead TV, uh, just put up the, the the snap counts. I was kind of taking a peek at that. Um, the defensive line, Kenny Clark had 60 snaps, Dean Lowry at 52. Um, but after that, Lancaster, 34. TJ Slayton, only with 24 snaps. Um, I would have liked to have seen TJ Slayton bump up a little bit. We've seen him uh, in higher snap counts. I think his high this year is around the 40 mark. Uh, I would have liked to have seen Slayton get closer to 30 snaps. He's a big bodied guy, um, you know, 330 pound defensive lineman who at times has been very, very good against the run, albeit as a rookie. He made a great play yesterday, basically sure close line shove and grabbed bottom down with, I think, one arm, his left arm. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I completely agree. I, and don't you think, again, nothing against Tyler Lancaster, but 35 snaps for him, that's just asking too much. Well, especially when you've got TJ Slayton there, right? I think there's a good spot for, for Tyler Lancaster on this defense right now. And he 15. serves a, <laughs> 15, 10 to yeah, 15, 15 snaps. to 20. I, I'd be even be okay with, but then bump up TJ Slayton a little bit more. So there is a start for me. Uh, our, our pal, Jack Heflin uh, looks like he got four snaps. I'd like to see him work in a little bit fresh legs, young guy who's eager, see him get after just a little bit more. He actually reminds me a lot of Tyler Lancaster, albeit maybe a little bit more athletic with a, with a little bit more pass rush upside. Um, So, you know, I, the coaching staff sees these guys day in, day out in practice. They, I think, do their best to get the best guys out there on the field, and they're a 12-win football team, so I'm not going to sit here and just completely bash them. However, TJ Slayton is the guy, uh, the key, at least across the defensive line, that I would like to see bump up and snaps a little bit more. He's very active. We've seen him be able to wreak havoc against opposing offensive lines uh, when he's been able to get extended series uh, of snaps. So, um, you know, maybe that's too simplistic, but I do think it's a start wags to get Slayton some more of those snaps. He's just been um, good against the run. And as you said, that clothesline tackle, he's capable of doing that against professional 
very, very good running backs. Um, he can shed blockers. He can just cause a little bit extra issues, bump up those snaps. I think we'd see the stopping the run just a little bit stronger. Yeah. And I mean, Tyler Lancaster might be better down to down than Jack Heflin is at this point. But the point is, is that is Jack, is Jack Heflin better in the second and third quarter for a few snaps? And then is Tyler Lancaster better, uh, you know, later in the game, if he's a little bit fresher. So I mean, we're not here, you're right, to tell the defensive coaching staff how to coach and what rotations to make. Uh, but they, we're, we're also smart enough and, and understand football well enough to be able to see that there's a problem and obviously they're going to be making some adjustments. So just pointing out that this that might be one way to um, improve some things. I, I don't think just giving certain guys more snaps and keeping pressure is the only answer though. Mm-hmm. Um, they just got manhandled and let's give Cleveland some credit, but they were down two offensive linemen too uh, that are, were on the COVID list. And so we had a couple of, of guys that normally aren't playing in the Browns and uh, they just completely dominated up front. So um it's again not necessarily an effort thing but i think it's a, a fundamental thing and and some of those cracks have been showing in the foundation up front uh, this isn't a one week thing it it was exposed a little bit uh, but i think the last you know 4 weeks or so uh we've been seeing a few more things so um hopefully we're able to at least be better <laughs> um, mm. and uh, get some better play uh, from those guys that, that moving forward, because we're definitely going to need it. I think um, in this secondary, you said we had pretty good plays. One concern I have is the number of big plays that mm. they've been giving up uh, over the last four or five weeks. So Dane, just looking at um, Darnell Savage, he got an interception yesterday and I don't want to point the blame on him. Uh for I've been saying this for a while for the all of those big plays certainly not his fault but he's the guy that's you know quarterbacking back there along with Adrian Amos and so ultimately whether it's his fault or not he's going to probably have a little bit more scrutiny put on him and frankly I just don't think he's been playing at the level he was at the end of last season or even in certain stretches in the middle of this season so not not singling him out Mm -hmm. but I just have such high expectations from him that I think he needs to be better I know I'm sure he feels like he needs to be better but what are some things that maybe he can do to adjust so that he's making the smart plays and really working well within the constraints and not having these kind of uh, situations where whether it's his fault or his teammates fault or whatever the fact is is that there's some miscommunications happening we saw that in the browns last touchdown yesterday mm-hmm. um where i'm sorry their tight end scored and it was just wide open it seemed like there's just a breakdown that shouldn't be happening especially at this point in the season yeah there there, there did seem to be a, a tad bit of miscommunication um there on that play and i think overall wags with with darnell one of the things that we see from him one of the things we love about him one of the things that can can you know drive us mad as well is he is a bit of a ball hawker. Um, he's a guy who you know is going to try to go for the big play uh, when whenever possible. But sometimes that can come up and, and bite you uh, a, a little bit as well. Um, so I'm not sure what happened on that miscommunication there. But um, 
it seems to have been an issue a couple times so far this season. Um, I, I don't know if, if that means the Packers need to put him in better positions to be successful, you know, and I, I don't know what exactly what that would entail, uh, but I don't have a great answer for you, to be honest with you. I, I think he just, we're going to be relying on him down the stretch here to make plays and be in the right position at the right time. And I'm just, I think that the Packers are going to keep rolling him out here. He's one of the most talented guys in the defensive backfield. Uh, physically, he's got a lot of the tools that you look for from a safety, um, but we just need him to be in the right position at the right time. And these miscues need to be cleaned up. And I'm, I'm hopeful that they can get those covered up quickly. Yeah. And I think it's one thing that I would say is some of these issues started to, it didn't, aligned perfectly, but started to crop up a little bit when Jair got injured. So um, when Jair is out there, you can get away with freelancing a little bit more. And so I think I I wouldn't say that's completely unrelated, but um, and that's not an excuse for Darnell Savage, though, because he has to understand who he's playing with and the strengths and and weaknesses of his teammates as well. Uh, And while Eric Stokes has been getting better and better and better and playing at a very high level, uh, and we've seen what Rasul Douglas is doing, that doesn't mean uh, that uh, there isn't situations that Darnell Savage needs to understand what his responsibilities are first and foremost, Uh, because you're right. I think there's times when he will take a gamble because he's maybe he's trusting his teammates too much in certain situations. And that's putting them on an Island and in a difficult spot. Uh, And while some of those gambles can play play off, um, pay off, I'm sorry. uh, Sometimes they don't. And so I would prefer that look, we've got a, this, our secondary. You could argue is the strength of the team, is, and especially when Jair comes back. Uh, so I don't really think those gambles are really necessary. Just play within yourself. Uh, when we play, you know, even top shelf quarterbacks, they're going to give us some opportunities. So take the opportunities that they give us. We don't necessarily always have to be forcing the issue. Uh, I trust this defense as a whole enough if we're just getting back to playing fundamentally sound football uh, that uh, that's going to be effective Uh, what we can't have is be getting gouged because uh, even with the struggles of our offense in the second half which I think is the last thing we'll transition to here shortly uh, the reality is is that uh, we're going to for most most weeks uh, hold on to the ball pretty well offensively and I think we're going to put up points um at most weeks uh yesterday afternoon notwithstanding so uh the defense's role is really just to get back to the basics i think that's that's if i were on the coaching staff that would be my message is let's just shore up some of the fundamental things here um we had some i i like the swagger i don't Mm -hmm. want them to be playing tentative uh play aggressive but within yourself at the same time Wags, um, we've been going for almost an hour, and I think we have not talked about how fantastic our sponsor is yet. So I, I think we should maybe think about our wonderful DraftKings sponsor. Yeah, so folks, uh, DraftKings is the official sports betting partner of the NFL. Thank you, Dane. Um, I've been so into our Packer <laughs> discussion that I've been lost in that. Uh, but uh, Dane, you have been doing a great job of uh, sharing and keeping us up to date on your wife, Andrea's progress, specifically on daily fantasy on DraftKings. Yeah. So um, how's she doing so far this week? And uh, does she have any big plays in her back pocket for today? 
she had Aaron Rodgers going uh, on Christmas Day. So, uh, you know, he had a really nice first half. I think she was hoping for him to duplicate it in the second half, but another MVP style performance for Aaron Rodgers. Um, and I'll tell you what, she uses DraftKings Sportsbook. She used that promo code TPPN. Um, and, you know, she's really been enjoying the app wags. I'll tell you what, uh, she'd never used it before. I've said it before. I'll say it again. She checks it out. It's fun. I'll look over. She's tinkering with her lineup. She's trying to decide who to put into place. Uh, I give her advice. She does the opposite. That's why she's winning. It's been very fun for her. Some good weeks, some not so good weeks, but she's still up on the year, having an awful lot of fun using it. So, And I don't think she would have done this, Wags, if DraftKings Sportsbook uh, hadn't made this offer. So please, folks, if you haven't done it yet, Go use promo code TPPN and just get in on the action. You're going to have a lot of fun. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Throw down $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets. If either team scores a point, that's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, so, Dane, I think one of the things that I was just transitioning to then is the struggles of the offense in the second half. So we talked about the good uh, way back at the top. And I don't know if if it was a little bit of, hey, Aaron Rodgers seemed to be a little bit gimpy. His toe got stepped down a couple of times. I don't think that's an excuse that anybody's pointing to. No. Um, Devontae had a couple key drops, but even at that uh, this, the offense had already gone the whole second half, um, and just specifically with the drop in, in the last series that probably would have iced the game. Uh, they only scored three points the whole second half, and that was on the opening possession. So the play calls was not really too thrilled about, but what was that about? Because this offense was just humming along. We had another issue uh, in our first series. Uh, we had Two, we were over two on third down. Had to go for it on fourth down, uh, deep in our own territory. Got it, but then uh, essentially uh, had to punt. Then after the next couple of plays, but after that, the rest of the first half just humming. And then all of a sudden, again, this is a recall to two seasons ago where we would have, you know, stretches within a game that our offense looked amazing, and then other stretches within the same game that our offense couldn't do anything. Uh, so this is an aberration, not overreacting because it's not something we've been seeing for the most part this season. But what was it about yesterday in the second half that you would most point to, Dane, uh, for the reasons why they all of a sudden started to struggle after the way they were playing most of that first half? Well, it's just, it's tough, right? I mean, the offense went out there, put up 21 points in the first half. Um, and then that second half, they come out there um, and, um but they had five possessions uh, in the second half. Uh, we're able to get one field goal, which ends up being the difference in the game. It certainly didn't feel like that was going to be the case coming out of halftime. Um, and what, you know, we saw they came out there. They had a couple three and outs uh, for a couple possessions. They got one first down uh, in the final drive. And really, I think what happened was the pass game just – just didn't click in the second half. And I thought that that was very odd 
based on how things went. And also Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, the, the, um, the, um, excuse me, the, um, average yards per, per, per attempt, uh, per, per attempt, per attempt was, was under six yards, uh, you know, per, per pass. It just, it was kind of perplexing to see in the second half, the wheels fall off of the passing offense. And um, they just didn't seem to have that rhythm. You're right. It felt a little bit like two years ago where things can come in bunches, but they couldn't put together a full game. And that was what was so maddening is I, I just can't imagine Wags that the Cleveland Browns came out and completely revamped their game plan over the course of halftime and made adjustments to stop the Packers. It felt more like the Packers were shooting themselves in their own foot uh, a little bit as well. Um, also, the Matt LaFleur challenges were kind of head-scratching as well. I thought it was kind of odd to challenge the uh, the uh, the win-free no-catch uh, in that situation in that game. Now, did that change flow of the game? I don't know, but it was just kind of a strange thing to do, I thought. But it just felt like the second half, the Packers were scratching for inches, where in the first half, the Packers were, you know, kind of all in and getting a lot of chunk plays. So um, the offensive, uh, the, the pass performance really seemed to fizzle out there in the second half. And I, I point to that more than anything uh, as a reason why they weren't able to get things going. And all but that possession and to open the second half where we got the field goal, all of our other points came off of Baker Mayfield interceptions. Yes. And, Probably the last possession would have resulted in the same thing if they weren't just running the clock out. But so there wasn't necessarily, you could argue, any real rhythm for this Packer offense the whole game. Uh, I'm not going to go to that extent because they still had to execute uh, when they had those series, go down and score. Three for 10 on third down. Uh, is not going to get it done. Uh, very unlike what we've seen from this offense most of this season. Uh, it was actually that second half was a lot like uh, week one. <laughs> it was it was just very strange. And I, again, I I don't know what the deal was. And uh, Lafleur, I, I, I I'm not sure if once we were up twenty four to twelve. And then the Browns, the next couple of series, didn't really do much, even though they were moving the ball. Um, It felt a little bit like the Packers were just like, all right, we've got this one in the bag. Let's just not make any mistakes. Let's run the clock down. But in the NFL, you've got – you know, 30 minutes to play in the second half. And I'm sorry, I guess technically after that first series, you've still got 25 more minutes to play football. (laughs) You can't play that way when you're only up 12 and then up nine going into the fourth quarter. Let's, let's hold the, the, our foot to the pedal and put this team away. Uh, We just needed one touchdown in that second half and the Browns had no chance. And even without that, we were still able to win the game. So that just goes to show how ineffective that Browns team was at being able to come from behind the fact that they were still almost able to do it. And we got maybe a little lucky in a lot of ways that uh, they weren't able to get into a field goal range and have an opportunity to win that game just shows you that this was not uh, you know, a, a Peyton Manning-led uh, Colts offense from 2005 that we are going against here. Folks, this Browns team, I mean this, okay, this is a little disrespectful probably, but they're just not very good. That offense mm-hmm. is not a good offense. Um, they can run the ball, but that's about it. 
Uh, that's not a team that should be able to come down, come from two two scores down uh, late in, in the game and have an opportunity to win, um, particularly when the defense scores four turnovers and we didn't give up any. Uh, that should not have been a close game at the end. And while I, I, it's traditional for the Packers, based on our history, to focus on getting gouged uh, in the run game uh, <clears throat> defensively, uh, the real issue for me, and I think you said it yesterday after the game, was this offense in the second half. If we go down and score once um, or even twice, really, considering what we were doing in the first half, this is a 31-38-22 to 22 type win. And we're a little bit hand-wringing about the defense, but nobody's really going to be too concerned about it in the big picture. Yeah, and I mean, that's the difference right there. I think what we need to do, because it reminded me a little bit, although the outcome was different, of the NFC Championship game. Uh, if you remember, Tom Brady gave us the ball three times there uh, late in the game. Uh, Jair Alexander was all over those interceptions. Um, and the offense is what kind of fizzled out in the NFC Championship game. It was not the defense. So um, we need to correct that issue. Um, and mind you, folks, we're talking like they're not winning right now. But the reality is we're trying to win a Super Bowl. We're not trying to, like, you know, win a couple games, sneak into the playoffs. We're trying to win a Super Bowl. And we, I say we collectively as fans, as a team, uh, and, you know, you've got to just be better against bad teams. You're right. I don't think the Browns are all that good. It's not some gas, some breaks. It's all gas, no break. And uh, I just would like to see us kind of get that close out because coming in uh, to the second half there, I really felt one touchdown, not the field goal, although it was great to see Mason drill that thing, um, one touchdown there would have, I think, that's that's a dagger. That's a killer. And I, I want to see this Packers offense have that, we're going to kill you at the end of the game. Uh, or early in the second half, you know, kind of just finish this off, make the Browns have an insurmountable lead. And we didn't quite have that yesterday. Yeah, and I mean, not... Not that it happened, obviously, intentionally, but Eric Stokes needs to hold on to that interception that he had. And then whether the offense would have gone down and scored off of that uh, turnover or not, we still win by two possessions more than likely. Or maybe the Browns get fortunate enough to score a touchdown really, really late. And it's, it's it wouldn't have made me comfortable, but it's more of an onside kick desperation type situation. Um the way it played out, you're right, we won, but I don't think it's something that we want to just brush over. We expect this team to be better. We're going to play uh, better teams. The Browns had a good year last year, but they're just not playing at that level right now, and uh, this was not a, a team that we should have been struggling to put away the way we did. But, Dane, that being said, just to put a bow on it, mm-hmm. we're 12-3. and three. We're one Cowboys loss in this next couple of weeks uh, away, and we're not going to count on that. But one Cowboys loss away and then one more victory in our final two games uh, from locking up a one seed. Uh, So let's just focus on what's in front of us. Do you have any other closing thoughts uh, before we get into our big cheese players of the week and sign off here? Yeah, just one quick thing. Special teams, we talked about it at the top. It was good to see Sean Davis get some snaps. Innes Gaines and Vernon Scott all had snaps yesterday on special teams. Special teams played better. Um, we'll have to go back in the tape and see uh, the impact that these guys made. But all all um, some DBs that we really like, uh, I think, that have come up from the practice squad, uh, other than Vernon Davis, who's just got active, you know, is actually able to get out 
out there and play on game day. But um, those guys all had an impact yesterday. The coverage units were better. Uh, excited to see that. Maybe we're figuring something out there. Maybe it's an anomaly. Maybe not. But And also just a congratulations to Innis Gaines. Pretty cool story. Uh, he was on our podcast before the season started for him to get his first NFL snaps. Well-earned uh, by, by Innis to get out there and play some football. Yeah, so let's get into the uh, big Chiefs players of the week, and we're going up over an hour, and then we can wrap this up here, Dane. Um, so I'm just going to lead us off offensively. I'm going to go a little bit outside of the box. Uh, Aaron, historic, uh, you know, day, um, second half, leads a little bit to be desired. You know, I don't think there was anything he did particularly wrong, but that said, he's quarterbacking this offense. Uh, Devontae, you could give it to him. I'm not going to just because of the drops. Um, it doesn't diminish his overall performance, but he just, he's better than that. He knows it. He, he said it after the game, uh, but uh, to get big cheese, we've got a high threshold. So mm-hmm. Dane, I'm going to go with Yash Nyman and give a big shout out to the rest of this offensive line. Uh, while we didn't punish them in the run game, uh, we, protected Aaron Rodgers tremendously yesterday. And uh, I think this is a little bit overdue. Uh, what those guys were able to accomplish against uh, a pretty good uh, defense in, in the Browns in terms of their pass rush, not top flight in the league, but a standout guy like Miles Garrett is part of that, uh, a little bit dinged up or not. I, I think those are the guys that stand out to me that really earned the big cheese and uh, dairy land dominator shot out mm-hmm. of the week. So I'm going to go with them up front, but I don't know if you have anyone else you'd like to highlight on the offensive side. No, I mean, Yash is the man. I, I don't know how else to put it. Uh, this could have been a really different ball game. If miles um, Garrett looks the way that miles Garrett looks against almost every other team in the league, uh, tall order yet again for Yash. And he played phenomenal football. He's aggressive. He's got great feet out there. Um, so Yash Nyman, I, I stamp it. I love when we can give it to an offensive lineman. And Yash is a good dude, so really glad to do it. Yep. And Dane, it's a pretty obvious one on the defensive side. So I don't mean to steal any of your <laughs> thunder, it. but Razul Douglas, Go I on. think enough said. Our guy. Uh, and <laughs> earned uh, big cheese player of the week once again. And uh, I don't really care what people want to say. NFL fans are mostly just Viking fans that are crying around the league about the Packers uh, getting away with a couple of non calls, but to me, that was the right, that was the right call in that situation. Uh, there was a lot of contact initiated by people Jones. And, uh, it, I think it goes both ways. It wasn't something that, um, that they couldn't have worked through. Uh, the Packers have been on the flip side of plenty of those. So plenty sorry, not sorry. Razul Douglas, thank you, young man. Yes. You have made a, uh, a potentially bad situation, um, taking it single-handedly and turned it into an amazing positive, two interceptions, pro ball alternate. Um, couldn't be more happy for you, man. Well done. Yeah, yeah well done, Razul. Awesome. Well-earned. Uh, we saw earlier uh, Pearson uh, asked the question, can we extend Razul? Um, Razul Douglas will be a free agent after this year, Packers. You know, I, I think what I say is let's just enjoy the ride right now. You need to have special players step up in big moments. Razul Douglas is doing it right now. And I'll tell you what, as good as he's been, I hope he 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 uh, does even more under even bigger spotlights here as the season wears on and gets paid as much money as he could possibly make somewhere because I yeah he's just playing great football for the Packers right now. 
For sure. Uh, Dane, special teams wise, I don't know if anybody truly stood out. Maybe they're just looking at someone on the coverage unit. Um, we don't have to, but there's been a lot of weeks where uh, we felt they didn't earn recognition in terms mm-hmm. of big cheese and, uh, and for reasons uh, that were, were, were legit. Uh, anyone you want to nominate here, though, from the special teams perspective? Because I felt like their performance yesterday uh, was at least worthy of a Dairyland dominator, if not a big cheese, um, I, if, if there was anyone that stood out to you from that side. Yeah, I'll put Henry Black on that list, Wags. Uh, I thought that Henry played good football. Uh, really sound, really stayed in his lanes yesterday. Played a ton of snaps out there. Um, and, uh, you know, well-earned. Uh, you know, sound tackling as well. Uh, the defense didn't have a sound of tackling, one of the worst performance I thought, from, but I thought special teams-wise they were very sound. So I'll, I'll nominate Henry Black. Okay, I, I will go with that. And so congrats to Henry Black. Uh, was able to get a tackle and assist on our coverage yeah. units. Um, so uh, we'll take that every time. And And again, it wasn't like there was a big impact, but you don't necessarily need that as long as there's not negative plays happening on special teams. I think you're going to take that uh, every week. So uh, good job uh, by uh, Coach Drayton and the special teams and the special teams players uh, for uh, putting in a solid performance in a two-point game. If there would have been any gaffes whatsoever, there wasn't any margin for error. So they picked a good good week uh, to uh, really solidify and, and have a solid performance out there. Wags, I think we've said it all. We'll be back on Thursday to be talking about uh, the preview before the Minnesota Vikings game Uh, could end up being a very important game for this Packers season here. You mentioned it, Dallas loss and a Packers win. And uh, you know, we're locking this thing up. So a lot of good football left to be played. I'm eager to talk about it. We could have talked about this game and this team all day, but I know folks want to get on with hopefully their nice Sunday. Enjoy the football games today. Uh, knowing that the Packers have already won again, 12 and three on the year. Um, Wags, should we just say it? Go, go Pack, go. go. Every year I know we're going to go hard. We've been that team ever since Bart Starr. All my cheese heads, go Pack, go. Ain't show with no mercy, cutting no slack, no. I ain't a bad sport, and I'll even wish you good luck. Only thing I will say.